0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Scientology Fair Game. Hi, Mikey.
1: Hi, Lily, How are you today? Eh. Eh. I know. Allergy (laughs) season, huh? (laughs)
0: Eh. Anyway, I don't want to complain. Maybe another episode I will. (laughs) Anyway, why don't you introduce our guest, Mike?
1: Okay. Well, as as always, uh, uh, we have a very special guest today. But this one is particularly special because... This is someone who happens to be a friend of your cousin, Leah, and that's how we found him. Yes. Uh, You know, out of the blue, there is a fascinating person to talk to, uh, someone who is currently the sheriff of Tom Green County in Texas, who has a history of dealing with the fundamentalist branch, I guess, of the Mormon church, uh, the under Warren Jeffs and his family. Yep. Uh, welcome today to Sheriff Nick Hanna.
2: Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: Thank you for being with us. How do you know my cousin?
2: Well, I never believed that he was actually your cousin <laughs> in- <laughs> the other day. Uh, <laughs> um, we, we had, um, my kids and his kids went to the same school and so we would always run into each other at football games and basketball games. And a lot of times I was a dad up there and he was a dad up there. And, and uh, we just kind of ended up sitting by each other and struck up a friendship. And I guess it's been maybe 12, 15 years now. Uh, we, we remained in uh, close close touch. He lives down in uh, Fredericksburg, which is about two and a half hours away. But, um, you know, we just established a friendship and we kept it going. So started with the kids.
0: Yes. And, and he and he wrote me and he said, you know, uh, listening to your podcast, you should talk to my 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 buddy. And I was like, uh-huh, because, <laughs> you know, every cousin has a friend, has a buddy. And you're like, why should I talk to your friend? Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know you were real until he's like, well, he's a real guy. Here's the story. And I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> so thank you to my cousin uh, yes. for, for introducing us. Now and how we believe you, Joe yeah now we believe that now I believe you Joe <laughs> <laughs>
1: Joe's doing good today
0: <laughs> anyway, so uh yeah, so thank you thank you joseph for for uh for connecting us and and the, the story is pretty amazing i mean the in our last podcast mike when we when we touched on the mormons, uh you know again, we for years since the aftermath uh people have reached out to us and said, uh, do this. Do, this. <laughs> Do right. this. So uh we're I'm glad that it's come to us in in a very authentic way. Uh but for those who don't know, uh I'm gonna let uh um Sheriff Hannah explain this to you. Uh because, you know, listen, this is new to us, okay? So uh could could you explain to us the history of, of the FLDS church? Well and how it came to Texas uh, specifically?
2: I can, Um, you know, it all started with Joseph Smith back in the uh, 1820s, 1823. And I think he received the golden plates up in uh, Western New York, what he claimed was the the golden plates. And I'll add that about the same time in the 1820s, that's the same time that the Texas Rangers were starting. Mm. Uh, They're the oldest organization uh, in law enforcement organization in North America. And so um, oddly enough, the two had crossed paths in 2008 you know, yeah. uh, about a later. Um, and the LDS tenants, you know, polygamy is um, a belief that they believe helps them attain status in heaven, hmm. the number of wives. And, and where so, does that
0: come from? Where does that belief come from? The Bible?
2: No, that, I'm that, being that sarcastic. From,
0: you know, I'm being sarcastic. Well,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the three books in Mormonism you uh-huh. have, uh, well, they have the Bible, they have uh, the Book of Mormon, they have the Pearl of Great Price, and uh, the third one is um, uh, oh doctrines and covenants. Okay. So you know um, Joseph Smith as the prophet, he recognized himself that men can become like gods, huh. um, and that and of course Mormonism is based. I don't. I, I just don't. I don't want to cover cover topics you already know. But uh, oh,
0: you're, uh, believe me, it's not a topic I I know okay. or understand or agree with. Right.
2: Well. It's, it's uh, you know, Christianity is, is the fundamental belief is you are saved by grace through Jesus Christ. And in Mormonism, um, they, they have some uh, commonalities with Christianity, but they don't believe you're just saved by grace. They believe that works, that you're saved through your works. And so polygamy being, I believe, part of those works. Well, oh, um, when Utah was looking at statehood, polygamy was a problem. With uh, becoming the United States, the United States, being a Christian nation, did not believe in polygamy. And so Utah and the LDS church, they they um, they stood back from polygamy. Uh However, there was a group, the FLDS, that wanted to maintain polygamy as a tenant of
0: their Mormon. I see. So it's LDS and FLDS. Yes.
2: Yeah. The
1: Fundamentalist. Church yeah, of the Latter-day Saints hey,
2: okay. you know, Their uh, standard was Hey, we're standing on what they believe to be God's law Rather than man's law And uh-huh. so they split Well, Utah became a state And as you may have noticed just last week I think they reduced some of those penalties For polygamy in Utah huh. Where now it's just a misdemeanor To Right
0: to to uh, polygamy, you know, in regards to polygamy, or because yes. I guess Literally. I'm I guess I'm associating this, um, and, and maybe wrongfully so, and and I could be, please correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, and and Nick, but I I, I equate this to children. I mean, this are we talking about marrying well,
2: children? Yes. <laughs> well, ultimately, the because FL- we're not
0: talking about you know. Hey, I wanna marry a thirty five year old and I wanna marry a forty year old and you know, we're gonna split up the chores well, and I mean well, technically, Leah,
1: the term polygamy is yeah. actually referring to being married to more than one person at a time. Right. Uh but and i i'll let nick talk about this but but ultimately what happens in these flds operations is that the idea of having many wives uh seems to almost always translate into and they become younger and younger and younger uh, down to the age of you know like 12 or 13 or something but is it, but, so but 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 that just, that's I, not I, what he's talking about as okay. being That just becomes a misdemeanor. That's still statutory rape, no matter where
0: you are. Am I
2: correct, Nick? What, What you will have is you'll have willing adults in Utah engage in that. Right. Redefining marriage. What the FLDS community had was they had their members were from the crib, from the cradle. They didn't bring in members from the outside to join the FLDS. There was no evangelism. It was only within the confines of the FLDS community. And so you can see the numbers really didn't work. And so whether it's a combination of a, of, a, of a lack of options or the fact that, as I believe, Warren Jess was a pedophile, uh, the wives started gradually getting younger and younger.
0: Well, yeah, I, I don't think that's just your belief, Nick. I think that that's right. just a fact.
2: Right. And okay. so he would pull wives from all over, mm-hmm. uh, young wives, and frequently he would, you know, they traded them like cattle, cattle. Um, he would take a young wife from a, from a father, and he would reassign him a young bride himself, and so it was tit for tat, and so it kind of eliminated any opposing arguments from the father when he the father himself received a young bride. Now those fathers, some of them I talked to, they said, "Hey, I would never consummate this marriage until she was of age." However, uh, you know we know through our convictions down here in the state of Texas that Warren did. He he was. Um, sexually active with his young brides, his youngest, um, Marianne, she was, uh, three weeks past her 12th birthday when she oh was uh, married to Warren. And I think she was, you know, he had 84 wives at the time of his trial. Right. Uh, I used to laugh and, and I would tell Warren when we were sitting together, I said, Warren, I know your wives better than you do. Right. Right. <laughs> and, uh, he, he never would engage in any humor like that, but, oh, um, yeah. That's that was a part of the manipulation within that FLDS community, or um, you know, it was a it was fenced. It had a cult-like environment. Uh, it was virtually impossible. And and if you've done any research, you know, there there have been a few ladies who have escaped and got out of it, but it was very very difficult. And they made it very difficult for young ladies to get out of that environment. So it was a it was a culture of abuse. It really was. Sure,
0: I mean, I it, it's it's uh you know we we we're. we're aware of it because uh, similar things go on in, in other cults as well in Scientology. You don't have the parents because they're fully indoctrinated, uh, and, and share in these beliefs. Like you're, you're talking about the fathers who were given, you know, given up their own daughters, uh, but w- what they were, uh, making sure, you know, just, just so everybody knows, you know, I'm not going to consummate the marriage, but had no problem, uh, giving up his own child to what sure. he knew was going to happen uh, inevitably yes. and uh you know so so we're very we're very aware of 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 this kind of mentality and and why and why they're not reporting why they, and and they're probably very similar too uh, uh very reluctant to speak to trust law enforcement right? They're not going to report well, their themselves.
2: Well, yes, they. law enforcement had been portrayed to them since early early childhood sure. as the enemy and that we would come and, you know, same, uh, yeah. guns and tanks and, and, you know, tell them lies and take them away. And so, and, and a lot of things he would anticipate events happen and prophesize them ahead of time in order to gain uh, ca- a cachet with his people. Right. Um, one thing he would do is he would take these young girls to Las Vegas and they would dress in kind of long skirts with the hair up yeah. completely out of their element. And he would introduce them into the streets of Las Vegas. Well, you and I would never take our 13 year old daughter to Las Vegas and leave them alone in that environment. Well, these young girls coming from a very protective environment would be dropped into the center of that uh, situation like that. And to them, they believed that was the real world and that it was engaged in sin and you know. All so the
0: purpose people. the purpose of that was to show them to say, "Look how dangerous this world is."
2: yes, it, wh- okay, if, if you were thirteen years old and never seen a radio or or watched a movie or or sure. being exposed to the outside and that was your exposure, you would be terrified. It was a form sure. of manipulation,
0: right, right. He didn't bring them to a place where it was calm no. and beautiful and serene, seeing families, seeing you know uh healthy relationships and healthy families right. and a real church or whatever, but how did it get from, uh, I'm a little bit confused. So just explain this to me, the part where it went from Utah to
2: Texas. Warren relocated um, back when the Olympics were, was going to happen in uh, Salt Lake city in Utah. Uh Warren relocated because he predicted the end of the world. And so they relocated to Colorado city and Arizona and Hildale, Utah. They're, they're border cities. They're twin cities on the border okay Uh, it's also known as short creek in the flds community So he located there and began um, practicing polygamy there and um, since they had the offshoot his father was a prophet before him and so he inherited the mantle of the prophet which was god's mouthpiece on earth Uh, very powerful what he said went Uh, who would question god when you're given an order um, if he had trouble with an individual, he would send them to repent from afar, but require that they, send him, that they send him the fruits of their labors. And so they would send him their checks and, uh, the sweat of their brow and just sub- subside on uh, relatively nothing. Mm-hmm. So he would get their income, but the problems they proposed would be gone with them. They'd be in mm-hmm. Tennessee or somewhere doing some labor. And so, um, they were stationed there for a, a period of years. And then he got into trouble with his first uh, a complaint of, um, uh, of a sexual assault. And uh, at that time, I think he started uh, being uncomfortable and started, he, so, so he started looking for another land right. uh, to come to. And he called this one. So they went searching, they found this ranch called the YFC Ranch, uh, 1,681 acres here in Texas. They bought it as a hunting retreat. And they moved in in about 2003, and they began construction uh, immediately. And they built a self-sustaining community uh, out there in the middle of uh, Slacker County.
0: Where do they get uh, this money? Where do they, where are they getting this money?
2: Well, um, as a group, they were very industrious. The FLDS community—we're uh, talking about some very hardworking individuals. Do you remember? Remember the works? To get into heaven is what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, they took it literally. They would work. 18, 19, 20 hours a day. They had their own companies. They had a company called Pack, which had contracts with NASA. Uh, They had government contracts. They owned truck stops. Um, They were formidable business people. And they had great laborers. And why did they have great laborers? They were doing their works here on Earth. All the income they paid these individuals, they paid their their workers, came right back to them. Um, There was really... They worked a lot of young children. They weren't under the oversight of child labor laws, so they had their own uh, kingdom. Uh, the stars really aligned for them uh, for money to pour in, and we identified millions of dollars that that flowed into the FLDS. Wow!
0: Now the works usually would, to me, would imply the wor- the work that you do as a, a char- that is charitable, that is giving, right? I mean, that is what the Bible is based on. Is is it's not the, so? We're not saying the works. Uh, uh, as it would be defined in, uh, you know, Christian Bible or Catholic Bible, right?
2: Well, and and, and from the the, works
0: literally mean work your ass off to pay for (laughs) me to be a sick bastard.
2: You you and I understand that. But a uh, a 19 year old FLDS young male who's been Mm -hmm. recently kicked out and told, hey, you know, you need to go, you need to go work and uh, send send your tithes and offer offerings uh, back to the church. uh, They would interpret that. Uh, the way that Warren wanted them to interpret it, which would be to his financial benefit.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So they're building this compound in Texas.
2: They did. They yeah. did. They built the compound, and that was where the best of the best would come. It was the chosen. It was God's people. Um, and that was going to be where, if if the Lord came back, all the Mormons would gather on earth uh, back at, the, at this area at the YFC Ranch. Okay. And that's why he built he built a big, huge amphitheater, concrete amphitheater, there, where all the world's leaders would gather, and he would ascend ascend in front of them and give his edicts and uh, essentially control the world.
0: But the Mormons were not even down with the FLDS part, right? Like that's a section no. that broke off from the mainstream Mormons, right? That's,
2: correct. That, that's Because correct.
0: Mormons were like not down with this going down, right? They were like, no, thank you.
2: You Am know, I to wrong? Me, um I don't want to offend any Mormons, but I'll tell you this. In my opinion, they were passive, if anything. Right, they, weren't, they weren't for it, but we weren't getting a whole lot of vocal support from them either.
1: Okay, got you. All right, so they're building and, this. And, and Nick, can I just ask a question? Why this Why this, uh, El Dorado, Texas? Do you have any any idea other than its remoteness? Was there some property that was particularly attractive or what?
2: I do. I think it was a combination of things. Um, Warren, of course, says in his proclamations that that's where the Lord led him. Uh, I think it was the the price of land, which was, you know, was relatively expensive, but it, to them it wasn't. Uh, the remote remoteness, uh, the lack of oversight for their construction, um, and then uh, limited law enforcement. Any remote area would not have a lot of law enforcement, and that sheriff's office probably has, I don't know, eight or nine deputies. So the ability to operate without oversight in their construction and their day-to-day affairs. Uh, I think that was the the primary reason. And uh, some people um, speculate it may have something to do with the close proximity to Mexico, about two hours north of Mexico. Right.
1: Okay.
0: Mike, very well, similar, Mike, to what what Elron Hubbard did, right? In in uh, exactly with gold, uh, right? Where the the compound was in a place because even now, today, that sheriff's location. It has like four people in it,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's these these remote locations or yeah. locations that are not um, easily accessible. Yeah, uh, serve a couple of purposes. I mean, Nick just mentioned one, yeah. which is the outside intrusion. Sure, you know you don't the building inspectors, the the sheriff's department, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But there's also the issue of how do people, if they want to leave, how do they get away? Sure, and when but. you're very remote, it makes it that much more difficult to to even physically get away if you've broken free mentally. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, the similarities here are are crazy because we also. You know, I know that at these FLDS compounds, they had their own private security forces that would go around patrolling and Mm -hmm. keeping track of people and watching out for outsiders and that sort of stuff, just like you see at Golden Era Productions with Scientology. Right. So, And still
0: today with the C organization of children of Scientology parents are not going to say... I'm not making sure my kid is not working from eight in the morning till midnight. I'm not calling child protective services on myself. I'm not, my kid's not getting schooled. My kid was molested. You know, they're not reporting, uh, what they're doing because they're protecting their
1: church. Right. And, uh, working, than, and, and, yeah. and children or young adults working, Uh, eighteen hours a day and not sleeping, etc., etc., for the benefit of Scientology as a Sea Org member is considered to be a huge plus for Scientology families. Right, just like I, I imagine the the same thing happens with these people in the in the FLDS compounds. Right, they're they they believe that they are doing God's work. They believe that they are yeah, accomplishing all something sure. that is going to save mankind. Yeah. Like so the the similarities are, are somewhat scary, frankly.
2: Yes. I, think, I I think what what um what really opened my eyes the most was the lack of the outside world's involvement in their day-to-day life. Sure. and the isolation of the members. And when you look at all these little steps, it's all part of a big pattern for uh, controlling large groups of people. You control the sure. narrative, yeah. uh, you control their behavior, you limit the opposition. There is no room for opposition. And if there is, it's dealt with swiftly. He would, Warren would remove families. Uh, there are stories about um, men who would come home to find that their families, wives, and children had been reassigned to another man. So who wants to come home and find your wife and child assigned to the neighbor down the street. And uh, you got your bus ticket to go do a job in uh, Kokomo, Florida or something, you know? Right. Right. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. It's the ultimate, it's the ultimate, all all the power, ultimate Trump.
0: I have a question. Uh, We, there was a time when, uh, you know, I was asking, Certain, certain departments, certain police departments, certain uh, sheriff's departments. Why is there not education when it comes to uh, law enforcement with how to deal with cults? And uh, n- not to mention, uh, you know, so the, the quick answer to that was, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. Basically, we were told the last thing uh, these sheriffs want to do or these police officers want to do is more schooling more classes more you know they put and this part i totally understand they put their lives on the line every day uh and and i get that part but but certainly uh there needs to be uh some discussion happening with uh with the authorities from people who have been through it people who are educated on cults on how to deal with people from cults because like you said They're conditioned to hate you. They're conditioned to believe that you're the enemy. They're apt to lie to you, to justify, and and what they've been doctrinated into. And some of them are not even lying. They truly believe that you mean them harm. Uh, But there's no education. Children in cults are not taught, this is where people are not supposed to touch you. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's a fa I remember having this very uncomfortable conversation with my own daughter, And she. I said, where your bathing suit is, no one should be touching you. Mm-hmm. She was like, who? I was like, I- anybody. Anybody. Right. Maybe, maybe the doctor. When I'm there. <laughs> right? Sure. But she's like, who do you mean? I said, but- anybody, baby. Grandma, grandpa, daddy. It doesn't matter. I just gave examples like- that and she was like, "Why?" She goes, "Why, my grandma touch me there?" Like, "Oh, well, you shouldn't touch you there." I'm just saying, you know. And as she got older, I had to have that conversation. This does happen. Uh, this is this is you know, awful truths uh, that you need to know. And I know this conversation is 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 uncomfortable to some. This conversation could be triggering. What we're talking about. Uh, but, you know, we have to protect our children. But how do we get into these compounds to have those conversations? Mike, you never heard the word pedophile growing up in Scientology. You never were told that, Mike, as a as a young boy in Scientology, that no one should be touching your body. No one should be physically uh, abusing you. I wasn't taught that. I wasn't taught that it's not okay. I was taught the opposite. It is okay. Mm-hmm. And you just need to deal with it, uh, which is very different, uh, uh, different than what's going on here in the FLDS church, uh, where where this is, uh, you know, well, part of their, taught quote as, unquote, taught as part of a, uh, a of service a, to God, right? A relig- yes, yeah, a
2: religious experience. It's sure. like, yes, it's like a, uh, it's like going to communion or um, a church covenant. It, they're but but is Nick, is
0: there, of- there nothing that that? That, that law enforcement can do, just like, hey, we come in, we talk to cults. Well, we don't call it a cult. We well, just you don't come get in. access. But isn't that insane? I mean, people ask this to us all the time. Why not just go get your daughter? Why not just go get your son? You can't just walk up on a private property, right? You need a warrant.
2: No, um, we would have never had access to yeah. The FLDS Ranch. Uh, we we had a warrant where we had a, a outcry for help, which is the the first kind of break in the case. A yeah, young, tell
0: me about that. What happened? How? What was uh, the break?
2: Well, like, like you said, um, mm-hmm. that community is closed. Right. They wouldn't have a conversation with somebody from outside the FLDS community. So the opportunity to intervene or to uh, outreach in that community, uh, it, it doesn't happen. Right. Um, the way we were involved is we received a call from a uh, hotline here, a, uh, um, women's hotline uh-huh. and the caller, uh, claimed that she was a young girl and being held on the FLDS ranch in Slacker County and was a victim of sexual assault. She said she was, her name was Sarah Barlow okay. and she was uh 15 and that she already had a child to a older, uh, FLDS member. And she provided the name of Dale. Um, so, in order to corroborate that, we didn't have a whole lot, right? How do you corroborate that? We did find Adele Barlow, that was coincidentally a registered sex offender in Arizona. Okay, um, she described um, living conditions at the YFC Ranch um, very acutely and, and gave a large, uh, large amount of details. Um, the phone number from which the call originated was consistent with what we had seen uh, the few times that we had reached out to them and talked to them. They did have a spokesman that would communicate with us, the bishop. His name was Raymond, Raymond Merrill Bishop, uh, Raymond Merrill Jessup. He was later also convicted for allowing his daughter to be uh, married uh, in an underage marriage. Right. Um, but, you know, we as law enforcement, when, when somebody calls for help, and we have facts and circumstances that align uh, with what we know to be true, then we're compelled, we're duty-bound to go in and help, especially a young girl proclaiming sexual assault. And so we obtained a search warrant to go search that premises, which was, um, you know, I think 18, about 1,800 acres uh, for this girl, uh, Sarah Barlow. Okay. And so we, we went in looking for Sarah, and had lawful authority to be there. And once we were there, we started seeing signs and indications that, of underage sexual assaults against younger girls. And that mainly, that was as simple as seeing um, very young girls who had young children with them—you know, one, two, three-year-old babies with 14 babies fourteen, fifteen-year-old girls. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. And we could. We pretty quickly were able to put family groups together, and so we did that and identified um, some potential suspects. We got DNA search warrants for a number of individuals, and that's really how it began. Um, not one time did an FLDS member come and testify at any of our trials. Uh, I've never really even been at a trial where the, where the victim didn't testify, but we had 13 of them here in Texas, and then we had a few in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some trials up in British Columbia for those sending the underage girls across international lines for the purpose of sexual abuse. Wow. So we have some convictions in British Columbia, Canada. Right. Um, that's how that all started.
0: Did you was, ever find Sarah?
2: Well, we didn't find Sarah, but we did find some medical records with her, with her name on them, which further uh, made us believe that she had been there. Right. Uh, it was later found out. We don't believe the call was authentic. It was a legitimate call.
0: It was a legitimate call, but it was not that per- it was somebody yeah. was calling to to alert yeah. you we, <laughs> to get you know, in there. Yeah, we
2: identified the caller and yeah. she turned out to be um, she had a history of making um, bad 911 calls and, and uh, calling the police. And so she she had probably done her research in this area in order to stimulate the search one. But
0: well, she used her her. <laughs> she used this time for good <laughs> right
2: well, yeah I guess that's i guess that was god's hand it did work exactly, out exactly.
0: exactly right and, right you
2: know, it, and it and you know it met a lot of resistance in court um the search oh, warrant had a lot of challenges um but you know we acted in good faith uh we had good probable cause when we went in there right. uh the offenses were in plain view and we did it and the rangers did their due diligence in the investigation and if you remember it was a It was about a seven day. We were there for about seven straight days on the compound, on the ranch.
0: Right.
2: uh, A bunch of children were taken by CPS. And it was on, you know, I think it was on Nancy Grace for 30 straight days or something. Yeah, yeah. There were were a lot of eyes on that situation and a lot of stress uh, associated with it.
0: Yeah. And I remember uh, being shocked. And I don't know if this is the same story or this was another. I think it is the same story. But I remember being shocked at the. Uh, some of the children were sent back. Was that? Well, they
2: were. Yeah, they were ultimately sent back. I think boys, initially the boys were sent back, and then uh, over of time, some of the girls were sent back. Why? Well, the threshold is just that high, Leah, uh, for taking children. I mean, we we don't want to take children under the under any circumstance. Oh, um,
0: uh, but there's certainly it. situations where you should. Well, right, and this well, is uh, one of them.
2: Well, this this was one of them. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, the The threshold is just that high. We were overwhelmed with such a large number of cases. You know, the the Texas Rangers and and uh, we were working independently. We're well, not independent, but we were working the criminal investigations while the Texas Child protecting Services, that's a civil entity, they were doing their investigations. And it was just such a large number of kids. You can imagine we had just a few investigators, and I think we I think over uh, maybe two hundred and forty some odd kids were taken. Right. and so just load management was uh, was the issue and lots of resources were mobilized um we we received our indictments within just a few months uh at least the initial indictments yeah. um but to show the uh, the level of threat towards a child uh was such a uh, um had such a weight to it the cps couldn't meet that weight in each and every individual circumstance, because some of the circumstances uh, you could not really articulate a threat other than they're living in this community. Well, the world is full of dangerous communities. Um, So we have to be able to articulate specific threats of possible sexual assault for those kids to be removed. So a lot of them were sent back, but you know, um, what we feel good about as rangers and investigators is that every case we filed, um, we had guilty, uh, was taken to court, and all but one, uh, they were all found guilty, and the one that wasn't taken to court, he pled guilty, so they were all guilty verdicts as a result of this investigation, Uh, and then our evidence led us to Canada, where I worked with the RCMP, and we had a number of cases up in Bountiful, the Bountiful area, Bountiful British Columbia, where we did cases for uh, polygamy and um, sending underage girls across international lines for the purpose of sexual abuse for those cases. So really, you know, really was an opportunity right here in the middle of nowhere to break sure. a, an entire culture yes. of sexual abuse within a religious community. No, it's amazing.
0: Right. It's it's a, a huge accomplishment. We, we haven't been able to make any inroads into our cult uh, to help the children of this cult but really great uh, job that you did and, and the Rangers did and and the sheriff's did. And
2: uh, really the attorney general's office, the Texas attorney general's office did a fantastic job. Also prosecuting, you know, governor, governor Abbott actually did our board. On our first trial, he did our board um, during the uh, briefing of some of the uh, potential jurors. And so um, that was a neat experience to have the acting attorney general then come in and, uh, do a word on one of your criminal cases so that was a neat kind of a neat side note what is that wow. well it's like voir dire it uh-huh. may pronounce for dear it's like when uh <laughs> when the prosecutors you can in,
0: pronounce it any way you like <laughs> you're
2: the sheriff <laughs> when, when,
0: when, also when, i just love your accent so anything so you I. say <laughs> i'm just like great well,
1: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh, <It's
0: like>,
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a little bit of a cold, so sorry, but it's the questioning of potential jurors when you're um, seeking their positions and their perspectives about, you know, will they be prejudiced in this trial? And can they serve objectively as a juror? Sure. Um, it's part of that process. And so he he came down and, um, you know, during that first trial and it was a neat, you know, kind of a neat experience to have him there. And then Eric Nichols was the lead prosecutor for the majority of the yeah. cases. And, and, uh, he was a fan, he was a right man. You know, he was kind of like God ordained, I think, uh, to manage that much evidence and do it in a way that was digestible to, uh, not when I say uneducated jurors, I don't mean a lack of intelligence on their part. I mean, to jurors who had absolutely no idea that this sure. kind of thing happened. right. Uh, just right. So, you know, and we're, I'm as bad as anybody. I have to focus on what I've got going on and I'm not aware of, What's going on in in other you know other parts of the world because I can barely handle what I've got.
0: Right, understood. And now this resulted (laughs) in 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 convictions, right? And so, yes, you want to talk about that?
2: Yeah, Yeah. there are people.
1: Before you do, Nick, let me just I just want to clarify something that you said before. Am I correct in hearing you say that not a single member of the FLDS or any of the victims testified for the prosecution?
2: That, that is correct. Not not one member testified for the prosecution. We relied on some records that we had found called the priesthood records. Um, and they provided us a roadmap that we were able to corroborate the details within the records with known events to establish the veracity of those records. And so when we coupled those with our DNA um, results, and then we found things like family photo albums and pictures. Um, we just found it's like walking through the through a garden and making a salad. We just looked until we found something that would work, um, you know, here, there, and everywhere. And so we put together all these facts into a web of truths, and that's what we used in our cases. So uh, Warren did have, Warren Jeffs did have an FLDS member come and testify on his behalf at his trial.
1: Wow. Yeah, well, see this is this is another thing that I think people really don't understand about the relationship between law enforcement and these sort of organizations. Like you said, Nick, you are perceived as the enemy. You are Satan's messengers coming to destroy the good works of God. You are you are all bad and there is nothing that you can do that persuades these people that that there is any goodness in what you're attempting to accomplish
2: at all. In their education, they didn't learn education like you or I or Leah.
0: Oh, no, we didn't get an education either. Yeah, right. yeah. We got the same education, and I know what you're about to say. We, yes. we were taught at a very young age the teachings of Scientology. Yes. Is law enforcement is evil. Yes. They are part of the big picture of destroying mankind. You are connected yep. to the Sykes, who are the, the 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 top the top killers of mankind throughout history and and beyond many lifetimes, and you know we're taught we're drilled even on how to lie to you should you ever show up. That's we're exactly taught. Right. Yes, exactly. And Mike, they were. Yeah, <laughs> and we oh. and we have and Mike has. Yeah. <laughs>
2: We so found we communications from, from the mothers when they're separated, they were communicating, telling them do not cooperate and uh, act badly and be a problem. We found those kind of messages frequently. One interesting thing is um, we went back to the ranch a few years later, three or four years later. Um, they had reoccupied it, and then the state seized it, and so they had to leave again. And so after they left, um, I took some uh, a district judge and some others. I even took my family out there because – uh, I'd invested so much time and effort out there and been absent from home. I felt they deserved a tour of the facility sure. out there. Sure. Of the YFC ranch, including mm-hmm. the temple, huge temple, beautiful temple, three stories. Yeah. Or actually, if you count the basement. Uh, while we were going through one of the school rooms, my, my wife found a, a homework assignment in which I was mentioned in the homework assignment where they talked about the things we had done in the investigation. And I thought to myself, Um, that it it sent really, it was really a, um,
0: what did it say
2: feeling to see your, your name in a homework assignment in that manner.
0: What did it say?
2: Oh, it talked about, we had served some, um, search warrants or civil papers. We'd go to the gate and they wouldn't respond. And so what we would do is we would uh, wrap them on the gated community. We'd wrap them on the bars and I would photograph them. That way I could show in court, I made a due and diligent effort to serve these subpoenas right and so they would remain taped on the bars and so we took those uh, photographs and so that's what uh, that's what uh, she was referring to were those subpoenas where Uh we're looking for people looking for witnesses because obviously um, if we hadn't made an attempt to summon FLDS members and FLDS witnesses that would be presented as us not doing a thorough investigation right and, and yeah. we did, you know, we wanted them to come forward. We made every, every reasonable effort to find them.
0: Was it shocking to you, Sheriff, to, to, to not have anybody represent themselves in court or their children, or was that shocking to you?
2: Well, Leah, um, not after the first month, not after I, I started understanding, uh, the, con- the, the, the culture that they were raised in, and the education that you know, they only knew what they had been told. Sure. And um, pretty quickly, I realized that that was not going to be uncommon, and and really, it wasn't their fault either. Um, I didn't hold any grudge against them for not doing sure. that. They were only doing uh, what they thought was right, and what they thought was right in the eyes of God, which was sure. You no. Know, yes. So, yes.
0: yes, yes, yes.
2: So, so to answer your question, initially yes, but yeah. later on. No, I expected it.
1: Right. The, the, this is, and this is the exact point about the education of law enforcement and exactly and right. prosecutors uh, to understanding what it is that they're dealing with. Because when they don't understand, they don't. It, it's like it's like two different worlds colliding, and right. they 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 don't work out very well very often. And mm-hmm. you you go. You see, from one one side of this equation is the tragedy of Waco, and mm-hmm. the other side of the equation is the tragedy of people getting away with with abusing people and law enforcement being so worried or so concerned about trampling religious rights that they do nothing. Right. And I, I gotta say, I, I, my hat is off to you for having. Prosecuted something like this without any corroborating witnesses because Huge. this is what this is what every every law enforcement official that I have ever spoken to about seeking to do something about Scientology is worried about. Where's the evidence? Where's the corroborating witnesses? What Where, like where's someone coming forward willing to testify about this within the statute of limitations and? I always say to them, you're not going to get it. That isn't going to happen. You need the documents. The documents will do it. This is how the U.S. government prosecuted Scientology once, successfully, by getting the documents in a raid that was based on a similar circumstance to what you're saying, uh, someone that came forward and said, I've been kidnapped, I'm being held against my will, and... That allowed law enforcement to go forward with uh, a, a search search warrants and gathering then the evidence, and they prosecuted based on the documents, not on the testimony of anyone.
2: That's right. You have to have a way to establish that those documents are true and correct, mm-hmm. and whether that's weather or we use weather, sporting events, traffic tickets, mm-hmm. whatever we can think of. Uh, we used those things to establish the credibility of those documents. And one one stroke of luck, I guess we had some fortune in this big conglomerate of uh, of an investigation. Um, we went in on April the 3rd, 2008. And we left on April the 9th, 2008. So we were on this ranch for six, nearly seven days um, in the Temple Annex vault. So these records were kept in such a manner that belied their importance. They were behind, they were in a vault. <laughs> In a temple, we had to force our way in. We literally had to drill a hole uh, through it and crawl, through, crawl through a wall—a concrete wall that's about oh, 18 inches thick. And so, and the reason we did that was because Sarah Barlow could have been right. in that room. Right, when right. We went in there and found the records. Uh, we quickly realized number one, they were voluminous. It was about seven terabytes of information. So as we started triaging those records and going through them, we started finding these family group records and priesthood records, and we found these records. Um, what we did not know until just a couple of years later is those records had just arrived by a matter of days to the FLDS ranch. So had we went in before those records arrived, um, I don't think our, our results would not have been the same. And again, whether it's divine intervention or just good old, you know, Sometimes it's hard work and, you know, you make your own luck. I don't know, but it worked out. Um, We had the records. We made the cases. Um, I've since talked to some former FLDS members. And it's very interesting, their perspective, because they perceived us as a devil initially. And years later, once they're out of it, you know, um, Carolyn Jessup, um, Becky Musser, some of those survivors, they, they have books out. Um, to hear them reflect on what they believed then and what they know now is truth, uh, they're very grateful to the law enforcement community in Texas that they stood up and did it. And, and you know, it was, it was the Texas Department of Public Safety and the Rangers and the AG's office. So it was, you know, it was a team effort. It was, uh, I was kind of in the, in, the, in the point, but it certainly wasn't all me. It was, uh, I had a lot of help and a lot yeah, of good yeah. people.
0: Yeah, it's a team effort, and you know, God bless you guys for saving those that you did. And uh, it's no longer there, correct?
2: Well, it's the, the ranch is no longer there. It's yeah. been it's been seized. The state okay. of Texas seized it because criminal activity, felony criminal activity, was occurring on it. So we seized it, and right now it's a law enforcement and military training uh, area. We we do some training out there for our SWAT teams and our hostage negotiation teams and some other uh, other training. Um, they refer to it as uh, I think it's called BTG Ranch, which means bad to good. Is <laughs> what they refer to
0: that's in, amazing. You know?
2: Yeah, um, it's kind of fun to go out there and walk the streets of that community, and uh, it's 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 very surreal to know you know they had an orchard, they had a wonderful garden, they had their own dairy, uh, their own stock rooms. You know, we would we, we refer to these buildings. You know, well that's that's the Walmart and that's the Lowe's, and you right, know it would help you remember. Sure. Uh, what these structures were used for um, and so it was really a, a, a very challenging experience definitely that my career case um, but also a very cool experience that you can look back and you think hey you know we we,
0: we did some good yeah
2: Whether the stars are lined or what <laughs> yes. but we did impact that community now just because the ranch is not there the FLDS community still exists uh they're still dicta- they're still under the direction of Warren Jess, even though he's in prison right here in Texas right. um and so uh, it's a little different uh they have a few areas across the United States where they gather um but it, not you know not not in our backyard here in Texas now.
0: well, thank God, thank you for all that you do really it's it's an amazing story uh, we love hearing stories like this because it's uh what
1: Mike yeah, we do. No, we do. Because, it's, like, because to me, it's, it's, it's right. The right thing happened. Yes. The, the right, right thing people happened. did the right thing and the yes. right result came about. And yeah. It, and I think about those
0: children and the freedom that they hopefully receive from, right. uh, you know, even if it was one, it was worth, you know, giving that child, a, a, that little girl, a shot at life. You know, and not being raped and molested, uh, which is what her life is and would be. And so to me, saving one was worth it. I I think that you did that uh, and all of you, the whole team, the whole team, uh, you should be proud.
2: Well, we can't. I think law enforcement is right now is they're on their heels so much Is is it when we have a challenge, we can't be afraid of of opposition because that comes with it. Is uh, the bigger the challenge, the bigger the opposition, right. and really and truly, we didn't know how big the opposition was going to be. We didn't realize how big the challenge was going to be the day we lined out, out lined up outside that fence. Sure, but right. you know, once we once we started it, there was no going back. Uh, right. You couldn't go back and unsee what you have seen. Right. And, uh,
0: well, I wish we had a sheriff Nick Hanna on the job with Scientology. The problem with with us, Mike, I think is uh they do know what's ahead of them. Right. And uh, you know, they're like, No, thank you. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> you know? We, yeah, we got we got a lot of other
1: things that are a little easier to tackle than this and will take <laughs> yeah. less resources, less time, less same, money. Yes, less same with the pain. IRS. The IRS, you know,
0: you know, they're like, No, let's go after this guy working ten jobs who owes us, you know, five hundred dollars. Let's screw his life up. Yeah. Yeah. That can be frustrating. Yes. (laughs) Sorry, Nick. You don't need to hear this. You're no, no. It's totally.
1: (laughs) You don't need to hear me bitching. I I mean, I gotta, I gotta tell you, Leah. It's so, it's so nice to talk to like uh, a genuine hero. Yes. Someone who does and has done what we always hope. Yes. People in. That position will do.
2: Sure. Well, I you're gonna make. It. Did it.
1: I, yeah. you know, I, I just want to thank you, Nick. I, I mean, we've never met before. I don't know you from a bar of soap, except for now. I, I feel like I know a true hero, someone who stood for what law enforcement and the the right thing to do is. And I, I can't thank you enough for for having done that and setting an example for so many others.
0: I'm sure he's going to say he's not a hero and he doesn't deserve this praise. We get it, Nick. We get yeah. it. Uh, we know that it's a whole department. We know it's right. the Rangers. We know it's the attorney general's office. We know it was a lot of good people doing a lot of good things. Uh, but yeah, we don't but get, we're talking we're, to you. We're talking to you. Well,
2: you. And all so the- on
0: behalf of all of them, right. I, I understand that it's a team effort and there are good people in the world and uh, there is good law enforcement and, there are a lot of good guys, a lot of good women out there doing that job every day, and uh, they deserve they deserve yes, your are. thanks. And uh, we thank you, uh, and, and law enforcement for for what you do. And uh, I hope that one day uh, we will have a, a, a Nick Hannah on our team, and uh, we can save some Scientology kids. And uh, you know, the, the same with with the FLDS church and and cults like it. You know, it's not just about us, you know, uh, this is awful. It goes on every day. It goes on in households every day. And, uh, it's an unfortunate truth and evil of life. And, and, uh, the reason I think Mike, you, you're really, uh, um, happy to do the story is because we hear so much of the bad, right? We hear so much of the bad. We get it every day. We hear it every day, as do you, Nick. Uh, and law enforcement have to deal with the ugliness of humanity. But at the same time, there is so much good in the world. So many good people, so many good men and women wanting to do the right thing. And uh, we just need to once in a while focus on that. So, you know, we could all just do our part by, uh, you know, being kind, by being kind and, and knowing the difference between right and wrong. And, and just being a decent human being and doing the best we can. Anyway, thank you, guys. Nick, I cannot think. So, Nick, did you want to say something? No, 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 no. I don't. Have no, please thing. do.
2: Oh, well, you know, um, I think you just, uh, you know, you identify the problem. Uh, you gather information and you make a plan. And yeah. I, I don't know what your fight is or what your obstacle is. I'm glad to look at them if, if you've got them uh, and give you ideas. I always think there's a way. Yes. If you just, if you're if you're really willing to work at it, um, that it can well, be done. Well,
0: we've been working at it, Nick, and we'd lo- love to talk to you offline about it. Okay, yeah. Because okay. <laughs> anytime anybody offers us, uh, us some help, we're like, yes, please. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I think you guys have a good mission. Uh, I can't you. say that I follow it because I've I've got my own plate full here, but I'm glad Understood. to help. I'm glad to come teach law enforcement anywhere if they if they want to talk about it or get a perspective. Uh, about how to uh, address these kind of cases. I'm glad to do that. I've done that several times, several places over the state. And um, so we go wherever we're needed.
0: Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank Wonderful. you so much. And God bless you and your department. And um, we're going to, we're going to take you up on that offer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Thank and you
1: so ta- much. Next time hi. we're in Tom green County, we're going to pop in and say hi.
2: Well, you better be ready for some Mexican food. because that's uh, I am. I'm okay. always ready for Mexican food. All right. All right, yeah, probably you
0: got it. Huh?
2: I bet you're a vegetarian.
0: Who? How dare you? <laughs>
2: no. Anybody no, says that's got to be a vegetarian.
0: Bull crap. <laughs> I eat it all, Sheriff. Uh, okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Salad, salad and I are not friends. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a meat eater, uh, unfortunately. But uh, yes, I've been my whole life. Uh, anyway, so uh, thank you all for listening, and and uh, uh, Sheriff Hanna, thank you so much for your time, Thanks and uh, of course, and until next time.